My name is Kylie Pontius, and you're listening to Keeping It Real with me. Through controversial topics and candid interviews, we're all about telling the truth. Listen with an open mind, and you just might learn something new. Hello, this is the first full episode of Keeping It Real with Kylie Pontius. Whether you're listening intently or listening while getting work done, I appreciate you for joining us. I'm going to jump right into my conversation with Brittany, and I hope you enjoy. Brittany is a happily married music teacher who's the mother of a two-year-old, and she also happens to be one of my closest friends. Brittany, are you excited? I am so excited. (laughs) (laughs) I have to give you a major thank you for giving me my idea on what I wanted this podcast to be about. I don't think that was your intention. But essentially, I told Brittany I was thinking about doing one as we chatted on Instagram, as all the cool kids do. She said she'd love to be a guest. And within seconds, I knew this podcast had to be full of interviews with people you wouldn't normally hear on a podcast. And it's in the sense that most feature interviews with well-known experts or super successful entrepreneurs, etc. And there's merit to that. But I wanted to do something different, not to mention I don't have Brene Brown on speed dial. Furthermore, I realized it'd be cool to have people on the show talk about a life experience openly in an effort to tell the whole truth, the good, the bad, and the ugly. And I specifically thought of the latter idea because of Brittany's beautifully candid way of talking about pregnancy, childbirth, and postpartum life. So Brittany, for people who don't know you, what's your pregnancy and childbirth story? You know, it's funny when, when you get married, everyone asks you immediately or, or they just like start like kind of jumping into like, Oh, next is the babies. And Mm -hmm. the most common thing I just, you know, that I even said, and my husband said, and that every single one of my married friends says, is they all say, well, (laughs) not for a long time. You know, that's always their response. Mm -hmm. I laugh at that response just because we said that same response and (laughs) we are the ones that got pregnant like real quick. But then I also hate when I hear people ask married couples that question or insinuate that they're going to have children because of just so many friends that I have, like literally personal friends that I have, that I realized like I am so lucky to have the body I have and be in the health that I'm in and that my um, reproductive organs work in the way that they do because Mm. very many of my friends are not able to have children. It makes it so incredibly hard when you do see a brand new married couple, they're asked that question, and then they kind of are stopped in their tracks because Mm -hmm. the girl or the bride or, or maybe even the man, like they know that they're sterile or they know that they have endometriosis or they know that they have polycystic ovarian syndrome or some kind of health issue that is going to pretty much prevent them from never conceiving a child of their own. It's really heartbreaking. So I can't believe I'm already going on a tangent. <laughs> but well, what I'm... You, well, on that note, though, do you think people should even ask married couples when they're going to have kids or pry into their lives like that so quickly or even at all? Way back long before I knew all of this, just even alone in my friend circle, I would have been like, yeah, it's fun. Like ask somebody what their life plans are. But now I think the time is so sensitive. There's just so many um, underlying health issues that you might not even know about. Like 
some of the happiest people I know who would be just the most amazing parents um, have been trying and struggling with IVF or IVF mm-hmm. hasn't worked at all. It's just a really frustrating time and just a really sensitive subject. So to be honest, I think that, I think that, oh, I think creating families and stuff should definitely be talked about. I think it's a beautiful thing, but I don't think that people should be pride at of, oh, when's it going to happen? When's it going to happen? Because that could be something really sensitive. I know that it's been sensitive for the women that I know. I'm getting heavy real quick, but that's just how it started. (laughs) But anyway, so, so we get pregnant with our first and I knew I was pregnant just because I felt pregnant. First of all, the big sign is when you miss your period. Like (laughs) I was a week late with my period. It was funny about three days after my missed period, I, I was like, okay, I guess I'll take a pregnancy test. And I took a pregnancy test and it came back negative and I was like, oh, okay, whatever, not pregnant. Poured myself another glass of wine. Five days go by and I'm like, okay, this is like almost a week late, you know? So I take Mm -hmm. one again and it's negative. And once again, I'm frustrated and my husband's relieved and I'm set and I'm of course like I'm pregnant. So um, I just don't know it yet. So I'm overly emotional that my husband was like kind of relieved that we weren't pregnant. You know, we, we didn't own the house yet. We didn't, there was just so much uncertainty in our lives. Josh wasn't where he was in his job yet. There was just a lot of things that we wanted to happen before we had a child. So of course, like me and my blubbering self, I'm crying on the couch, like, you don't want me to be pregnant. And, you know, it was just, it was crazy. But then, you know, finally test number three and it comes up positive. How did Josh react? Josh wasn't feeling good that day. And I walk out of the bathroom and Josh is laying in our bed and I walk up to him and I'm like, uh, <laughs> I'm like, and then I don't, I don't, I'm going to call the doctor. I don't know this. We might be pregnant. And I, and I started freaking out, like not mm-hmm. freaking out in a good way. I right. was actually really terrified. The thing oh, that I had yeah. been wishing for, for the past five days was coming to fruition. And right. I just freaked out. Cause I immediately was like, I'm not ready. I'm not ready. I can't, I can't, you know, I just immediately yeah. the, I can't flooded my vocabulary. And, yeah. um, and my husband, he, you know, the, how I told you literally two days before was like, oh, phew, I'm so relieved. <laughs> he was like total opposite. Like, I'm so happy. He just, he turned into the ban I needed him to be. I love that. And to move forward in your story, fast forward many months, you had a C-section, which I'd love for you to talk about. Throughout my entire pregnancy and even before my pregnancy happened, I knew there was a chance of like how my birth story was going to end up because my mom and just so many of the women in my family Mm -hmm. um, did not, including my grandmother, did not do well with natural childbirth. What was it like immediately after the C-section? It was, it was incredible holding him in my arms for the first time. And, Mm -hmm. um, it, it really was, you kind of just have this moment of relief that they're there with you and yeah. they're real. They become so real in that moment, you know, because um, yeah. it kind of feels like a dream when you're pregnant. You're just like, I mean, I know a baby in there and la la la, you know, right. But right. It's like out and it's like, oh my God, it's real. Um, yeah. And it, it really was, it, it was just like, wow, we're parents. I remember you mentioning struggling to accept your body after giving birth. Can you talk a little bit about that? 
especially, I mean, I don't know how it is. I don't literally know how it is for women who have had natural birth, but I know for me with the cesarean section, um, Mm -hmm. you quickly start to realize how much your abs were able to do before Mm -hmm. you got cut open Mm -hmm. because I just, I was just suddenly kind of in shock that my body wouldn't do like the normal daily things that I wanted it to do. And the thing that I like struggled with the most was just like the pain and my um, stomach. It's still so stretched out from when JP was Mm -hmm. born that I just have this perpetual flap that hangs down Mm -hmm. um, over my bikini line. So goodbye bikinis. Goodbye Mm -hmm. bikini underwear. I am in granny panties for life and I have no problem with that. I am not ashamed. Um, But one thing that I just struggled with too immediately after giving birth was my body started after being on like liquids and stuff at the hospital, IVs and stuff all the time. My body just ballooned up. Legs, face, feet. I literally just looked like a balloon. What's something you feel like no one speaks the truth about in regards to postpartum life or something that if you Googled it would be hard to find validating information on? Breastfeeding. That is the huge thing right now, right? I mean, oh, are you going to breastfeed? Like, and I hate to admit this, but I'm, I am one of those people that asks, are you going to breastfeed? And the only reason I ask that is because like, I I have become such a breastfeeding advocate, not in the sense of being like, oh, well, it's the best thing for your baby and it's the best, 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 blah, blah, blah. I don't think about it the best thing for your baby. I selfishly think breastfeeding is the best thing a mother could do for herself even. And I say this because when I, 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 I was breastfeeding, you know, from less than 20 minutes after JP was born mm-hmm. and I did breastfeed him all through his first year. So, and I also worked all through his first year. So I did all the pumping and all that stuff, mm. but you are breastfeeding, <laughs> yeah, yes, exactly. I am woman. Hear me roar. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I mean, breastfeeding, what's so cool about it is like you're feeding your child with your body. Hello. You don't have to spend a thousand dollars a month on formula feed your baby with your boobs. It's great. Like it's awesome. (laughs) The other thing, the other thing that's awesome about it, it helps your uterus and just all of your organs and your body recover and heal faster because when you're breastfeeding, your uterus contracts and Mm. your muscle, your abdomen muscles contract and it helps your body to heal itself. It, I don't know know how it, Yeah, I don't 100% know how it works, but boy, I could tell you right now when JP was even just like a week or two old and he was just going to town drinking milk, I could feel, I would get these painful twinges in my stomach Mm -hmm. because it was my body just healing itself back up and and that uterus just shrinking back down. Very cool. Another great thing about the breastfeeding, it burns so many calories. Yeah. Holy calories. And I think that's why, like, I'm not even joking. It was about the three-week mark, and I was back to my pre-pregnancy weight. Wow. Just from breastfeeding alone. I also maybe tend that to the fact that maybe I wasn't eating very much because I was just constantly being a milk machine. <laughs> um, but, yeah, I, I, I lost all of my um, pre-pregnancy weight because of, you know, my breastfeeding. That's very cool. 
is breastfeeding hard? No one tells you about the fact that like, yeah, you might know how to breastfeed, but your child does not know. Like mm-hmm. they, they call, they keep calling it a natural thing and all this stuff. Like, yes, it is. It's a, it's a, it's nature's way of, um, mm-hmm. you know, mothers feeding their children, but it's not a natural instinct to your child to know how to breastfeed. What's something else that happened or something you felt after having JP that changed your outlook? After you have a baby, you lose yourself in multiple ways, but at the same time, you gain a new sense of self that feels powerful yet debilitating. It's kind of a weird statement because that sounds like really mostly negative, but it's not really a hundred percent negative. When I, when I say stuff like that and I'm saying you gain this, but you lose this, what I mean by losing is like you lose your sense of like me the person you were before motherhood is totally gone. She's wiped off the face of the earth. Josh and I talk about all the time, like, what did we do before kids? That time just totally goes away. So the you time or the me time that you so crave all the time, will there be time you get it back? Absolutely. But it's going to be gone for quite some time because you will worry about your child until, like, I'm convinced I will worry about my child till the end of my days. And the power that you feel in this, like you feel like a superhero, like one, you grew the child, you can feed it with your own body. Like what? Like that child needs nothing else but you in its first, first year of life. And it is amazing. And it feels amazing. And you feel powerful knowing that you're the sole provider and that you are your child's favorite person from the beginning. And they feel nothing but unconditional love for you because they know that you are it. What was your day-to-day like after the C-section? It feels like you are constantly being um, scorched or like branded with an iron rod in your abdomen. So imagine just like every time you want to sit up or like do something really quick or just lift your child, you feel like you're getting branded like a horse. I mean, it is awful. And, um, and it's a constant get- reminder too. Yeah, constant, you know, and um, you get so tired too from the lack of sleep. You're up constantly breastfeeding your child and your emotions because of your tiredness just really start to mess with you. How so? You kind of start mourning what you used to have in the moments, not so much in the moments when that baby's asleep in your arms or they look at you or they're cooing like, Those are the happy moments where you are just like, this is the best game, you know, but you start mourning the you you once were during the hard times. What specifically did you mourn about the old you? I mourned my previous body and I mourned going out on the weekends with my friends and I mourned every time I felt that pain. I love that you said that because I feel like most people think about the concept of mourning as it relates to death. But one thing I've learned in my life is as we go through the seasons of life, just the different things we go through, there are things you have to mourn, whether it's who you used to be or something you used to have or something you thought you'd had or something you thought you would have and couldn't have. I mean, absolutely. I mean, everyone has mourned a former portion of themselves at some point in their life. When is it hardest in postpartum? 
for that first month, first child, it's the hardest month. You have no idea what you're going, you're getting yourself into. And while you're going through it, you're like, what is happening? Because you've literally gone from being the you you once were to being a mom. And um, a lot of people don't know this, but after cesarean section, you are given strict orders that you cannot drive for six weeks. You cannot climb stairs. You cannot lift anything heavier than your baby. And that's for six weeks. Okay. So think about you can't go anywhere. So you're really stuck at home. You are homebound with that baby for sure for six weeks, unless like your husband drives you to the store or a friend comes, picks, picks you up for breakfast or something like that. Everything that you once knew is just completely flipped. Yeah. You're quarantined. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, that's, and I mean like, you know, quarantine has become a normal part of life in this, at this time when I, when I had a baby, like Mm -hmm. the thought of being up in my house it didn't really hit me until I was like three weeks in and going oh my gosh I'm losing my mind so when you're like locked down when you're quarantined in your house with a baby brand new baby and it's a brand new scheme of life it's really hard and I had to do a lot of it alone um the first week um we were that Josh had off of work he was in the hospital with me and we were in the hospital that whole week and then he only had one week left to go so then he was home with me for one more week and then my mom um then my mom came into town and um i was one of those people that before my child came in i'm like no i'm doing this all myself i'm like i don't need a you know, we were living in a tiny condo at the time. I'm like, I don't need a crib. I don't need this, blah, blah, blah. I was going to be the most minimalist parent, you know, all of these things. Um, and that's when it really like hit me. I'm like, wow. I, when my mom came and it was about, I think four weeks, um, it was four weeks into JP's life that my mom came in and stayed with me. Cause I was kind of doing it alone and starting to lose my mind. It was where I'd kind of developed this new love and appreciation for my mom. Like I've always loved and appreciated my mom, but seeing her with my son made me realize how great of a mom that she was to me and to my brother. And that was like, that was just really like a moment for me where I was just like, wow. And, and that day, that week after she had been there helping me all week, that week that she left, I specifically remember the tears that we both cried. And when we hugged each other during that time, because we both knew just like what a new experience this was and how it just changed both of us. And it just changed, like, I could just, I could feel that like beautiful change in our relationship. And it was just amazing. So my experience with my limited experience with not being a mother, obviously, and just watching other people become mothers is the, multitude of unsolicited advice that people especially moms feel comfortable giving it's something I personally get really irritated with because I hate unsolicited advice it is my number one pet peeve and I hate it for my friends seeing them go through that so how did you handle that oh man so I had a lot of experiences with um unsolicited advice and also just a lot of like unsolicited feeling suppression, if that makes sense. What did that look like? I would get visits from family and friends or we'd go to a family function or friends function or whatever. And, and honestly, like 
it takes a village, right? It takes a village to raise a child and to bring someone new into the world and give them perspective and new ideas. I 100% agree with that. Well, what kind of unwelcome advice would you get? I just remember when people would say something to me about just the way I was holding him or the way I was feeding him or the way I was burping him or just something that would come up along the lines of that or if he was fussing and you know, someone say, Oh, looks like someone's tired or, Oh, looks like someone's this or, and I just remember constantly saying in my mind, like, I know, <laughs> like that was my constant, never out, never really out loud. Sometimes it would burst out because I would just be frustrated. But in my mind, I would just immediately say, I know because I have fantastic doctors and I'm the mother period. I am the mother. And I don't really need anyone telling me what my child needs because if there's anyone that knows my child's best, it's me. So if someone was like, saw you holding your baby weird and they just kind of asked, why are you holding your baby like that? But not in an accusatory way. And I kind of like, Oh, I've never seen that. Why are you doing that? I guess like what um, kind of like got me was just like, it was like there was no question or like interlude into it. It was just immediately like you should you should blink, exactly. you know, and, yeah. and when it, and when the statement starts with you should blink, you're immediately like, in my mind, you're immediately saying the option you're doing is not working. You should do what I say because my idea is better. I just think that if the child looks really healthy, don't say anything because <laughs> the mother's probably doing something right. What's a time when people's comments about JP or their interactions with him just got to you? And what did that look like? Here I was at this restaurant and everyone's wanting to play the pass the baby. And I'm so tired because I'm not getting any sleep at night. Plus I'm working 12 hour days. I was just exhausted. And so the baby was getting passed around the table and something happened where there was a loud noise and even though like my eyes weren't on my child and I knew that whoever was holding my child was doing a great job holding my child. I had this moment where I heard a loud sound and I thought someone dropped my baby and I had a meltdown it, to the point where I was so ashamed of my meltdown. And, um, I just said, excuse me. And I got up and the restaurant was pretty dead. So I didn't feel too embarrassed, but I just kind of, I went back behind, um, this area where they had the bathrooms kind of shaded off. And I just went back there and I just shook and like kind of screamed internally and had a meltdown. And then I went back to the table and I was like, we need to go like ASAP. But that was the first time I've ever had to, it was the first time I really ever remember having to step away from a situation and just like freak out like that. And that really scared me. And that really is what kind of triggered it for me. And I thought, hey, you know, something's not right here. Like I shouldn't be panicking about a family member or a friend holding my child. I should not be panicking about that because yeah. my friends and family of anybody are going to be the best people to take care of my child. Um, so that's when I knew something was probably wrong. So you felt like you had undiagnosed postpartum depression. Yes. And I called um, each of those family members and friends that I, um, was with that evening the next day and I apologized. I just let them know, like, I know that you have the best intentions of my child. Please don't take any of this personally. You know, I just, I really tried to just backtrack and like let them know that 
this is not, it's not you, it's me kind of a situation. Well, and if it um, makes you kind of have a better, maybe a viewpoint, I'll tell you any person I've seen go through something like that. I just want them to be okay. Yeah. I'm not upset about how they're behaving or treating me. I just want them to be okay. Exactly. And I'm glad you said that because like, that's what I have found in any conversations with my family or friends. Like when I tell them like, Hey, I acted this way because this made me feel X, Y, Z. It's, it automatically comes down to like, well, I just wanted, I want you to be okay. Like I want what's best for you. And that's a comforting thing. Earlier you mentioned people kind of projecting how to feel onto you. How did that happen and how did you handle it? So when you first come home with the baby or even just like seconds after the baby comes out of you, you know, you make that post on Facebook, like, and the baby's born, you know, and it's great. It's, it's exciting. You know, you get, you, people are flooding like, congratulations, la la la, like congratulations or wow, he's beautiful or wow, blah, blah, blah. Like those are the things you want to hear. And then you see someone being like, don't forget to sleep. Ha ha. And it's like, really? Of course. What's something people did that was super bothersome? Oh my gosh, it drove me nuts. Like whenever we'd be out at a restaurant and it would be like, here, I'll take, I'll take them, do this. And there's times when, yeah, I'm willing to give over my baby so that I can like eat something. I just got to that point where I was just like, stop telling me what to do. If I want to take care of my child, that is my choice. Just let me do it. What do you want people to know who have a tendency to do that? For mothers and first-time mothers, taking care of your firstborn child is the most important thing to you. And I think that other people just need to respect that. Yes, the baby's fussing. And yes, we look exhausted and tired and look like we're asking for help, but we're not. And just be a listening ear. Don't tell me to relax and calm down or don't tell me, oh, it's not a big deal. Because you know what? In the moment, it's a big deal to us. And mother's feelings, whether they're frustrated or happy, they're valid. I think that everyone just needs to respect that. You just need to respect that and let the mother be independent when she wants to be independent. And I think for people who aren't going to be moms or don't have many moms in their life, like apply that to people who are having problems and just need to vent Mm -hmm. sometimes. Because I think the best thing we can really do for each other is listen and let people figure out their life on their own. And I think there's so much beauty in just letting go and letting the people in your life empowering them to figure stuff out on their own. But if you could walk around with a list of boundaries of things that people should not do with you and your baby, what would it be? Oh yeah. Like, let me get right into it. Don't kiss the baby. Holy cow. Do not kiss the baby. Like I even look back and I'm like, maybe I shouldn't let anybody kiss the baby. Don't matter where you're going to kiss the baby. Don't kiss the baby. Just don't. It's so, and it's so hard to do because you know what? Being the mother of that sweet child and I do get to kiss that baby's forehead. Oh, it's the best. It is truly the best. It is intoxicating the way they smell, just the way they feel in your arms. You just want to squeeze them and kiss them. It just, that's how it is. But just don't, don't kiss the baby. That's beyond valid. And I think something a lot of people need to hear. What's your second thing? 
we will let you hold the baby when we're ready to let you hold the baby. If you come over and visit me and I invite you over to my house, I'm probably going to let you hold the baby. <laughs> okay. After you wash your hands, of course. What's your advice to people, uh, I guess, friends and family of new moms? First bit of advice I'm going to say is check in on your friends who are new moms. And by check in, don't ask them about the baby. Just, just, leave it open. Just be like, Hey, how are you? Or you, you say, Hey, how are you? Saw your post of blank picture today of your child. It was gorgeous. Say something that's going to make them feel good. Be the light. Okay. Be the light and just check in and say, Hey, how are you thinking of you? Right. <laughs> and here's, here's my advice. Don't give advice. Just listen. And they're going to ask for advice if they want it. And finally, this is my big thing. Just invite people. No matter what, invite people. Invite them to whatever you're doing, whatever, wherever you're going, just invite them. Especially for new moms, this is really important for friends that have friends that are new moms. Nothing is harder than that first month and it's, by the way, my first month was summer. So like all my friends who are teachers, were all out of school. They're all sitting by the pool, drinking their drinky drinks. And guess who's not allowed to swim for six weeks in summer because she was cut open. Don't ever assume that your friends can't, that your friend that has a baby, don't assume that they can't come. By the way, same thing happens to people that get married sometimes. Like, oh, they're married now. They're not going to want to hang out, right? It's funny because I feel like when there's a big life change, you need that more. You need people yes. to invite you more, but they invite you less. Yes. <laughs> We're going to wrap things up. What do you want to leave people with? I'm going to say that becoming a parent is the best possible thing next to, I, I mean, I don't, I don't think anyone's ever really going to know what the best possible thing is because we at least in this life, because we're always craving more. But one thing I know for sure is something that has made me feel nearly complete is being a mother. And I hope that everyone in this world will consider becoming a parent or, um, or being more of a role model to children. And, and even if you're like an aunt or uncle and you have a niece or nephew, like, be a role model in that kid's life because our children are our future. If you're an educator, just give everything you've got to those kids. And with all this like madness going on in the world, like how pe people wished for a black plague to come, right? Like, oh, we need a plague. Every there's a bunch of crazy people and idiots in the world that need to be killed. I didn't actually know people wished for it, but I'm not surprised. Oh yeah, like I've seen legit memes of people being like, we need another plague. And I'm like, why would you wish that? And and here we are, like we've got like COVID, right? And yep. um, and it's a very serious illness that's killing a lot of people. And you know, there's like people that have said, you know, like, oh, there's too many people on this earth that it's like poisoning the earth. And it's like, well, if we stop having children and we stop teaching our children, then what will the legacy be? What will what will become of our world if we yeah. don't raise the next generation to take care of it? Well, Brittany, thank you so much for being a guest. And if you're listening, thank you as well. We're signing off and we hope to catch you next time. Thank you for listening to Keeping It Real with Kylie Pontius. 
If you want to be a guest or want to learn more, you can find us online at kyliepontius.com. It's hard to open your mind, but it's a challenge worth pursuing. We hope you heard something that made you think, or maybe you even saw something in a new light. Your voice is your greatest asset. Be sure to use it to keep it real and be kind.